0: Now we're joined by the experts at Vetify, a new data analytics and thought leadership company that is transforming financial services from an industry to a community, one relationship at a time. We can deliver value to that advisor because that's what they're telling that they want to engage in. We want to make sure that we're putting the right pieces of content in front of them at the right time.
1: Tom, great having you back on the podcast. How have you been?
0: Been great, Nate. Thanks for having us.
1: And Jane, I've got to tell you, it's an absolute uh, pleasure. I know we've met several times in person, but I've never had you on the podcast before, which is a huge miss on my part. So thank you for joining me. Well, thank you, Nate. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, By the way, Tom, I know we're going to get into uh, EQM indexes and thematic investing, but I have to ask you, I saw a uh, video out on Twitter last week of you ringing the bell at the Toronto Stock Exchange. I I have to know, what was the occasion?
0: Oh, thanks for bringing it up, Nate. So, so first off, uh, Toronto in the fall—just an amazing spot, vibrant city, beautiful scenery—and I know that you'll appreciate this. The, the sports scene is in full swing. The, the Jays are uh, in a wild card series. The Raptors are are well on their way to starting their their series. Uh, the, the the new, the new uh, basketball season, as are the Leafs. So the city was just electric, which was 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 awesome. And as I, I think you know, I'm I'm Canadian. And so doing business in Canada and being able to interact with the, uh, with the ETF community and the asset man- management community in the Canadian market is always just an honour and a privilege. So what we were there doing in Toronto was we hosted an ETFs in Canada event put on by Vetify, but hosted at our partners and friends at the TMX Group, owner of the Toronto Stock Exchange, at their facility. And it included a bell ringing opening the Canadian market last Wednesday morning. We talked ETFs all morning. Dave Nodig was there, John Fee, Brian Coco, uh, shared sort of the Vetify perspective, obviously coming with a more U.S. angle to it, but also one with a, with a global bent. Um, but they got to hear a lot about, um, you know, the ETF community's perspective from a, from a Canadian asset manager. So it was a, it was a jam-packed day. Uh, I think we had more than 170, uh, representatives across the ETF community. So, We were doing what Betify does. We were up there uh, building community, listening, learning, and and ultimately trying to find ways to do more business in Canada. So thanks for bringing it up.
1: Yeah, I loved it. And for listeners, uh, you were front and center up there on the podium. I mean, look, I think just being up on the podium for any bell ringing, whether it's at the Toronto Stock Exchange or NYSE or whatever, is a huge honor and privilege. You actually were ringing the bell, which I loved. Um, I'll also tell you, I have, believe this or not, uh, and I've traveled a lot of places around the world. I have yet to go to Canada, so I, I have to make it up there. We're going to have to plan something. We're all, I'll head up towards uh, your neck of the woods. But uh, in any event, okay, so last month, Vetify acquired EQM indexes. And just to give listeners an idea here, uh, EQM powers ETFs such as iBuy, the Amplify Online Retail ETF, and the Granite Shares U.S. High Income ETF, HIPS, Um, I know EQM helped design the first blockchain ETF, BLOK. There's a lithium and battery technology ETF, BATT. And I could go on. But, Tom, just give us a quick snapshot of why this was attractive to Vetify.
0: Yeah, so the the, the first filter is, you know, what we're doing at Vetify, we think about, um, you know, people and capabilities that, uh, add to our mission, um, you know, ultimately transforming financial services from an industry into, to a community. So we're looking to bring together people who are are on board with that mission. And then and then certainly the values overlay, you know, a, a client centrism, you know, taking a bold approach to you know the world in which we operate, but also acting with high integrity. And and so that's, the, that's where we start when we look at doing um you know anything that's uh inorganic in nature. And and certainly Jane and, and EQM check all of those boxes and spades. And what it does is it really as we get down to the capability level, it augments a very rich history of thematics at Vetify. Um so we've got over ten billion dollars of uh thematic indices linked to Vetify uh indexes already, and this adds to that and the way in which jane was able to find success within the thematic space i think is complementary in nature to how how we found some success there and so we're we're thrilled to bring on the indices that that jane has built and licensed to a lot of incredible partners uh, some of whom we did business with some of whom are new to the vetify family but also tapping into jane's expertise and and trying to um, plug her into a, a a broader team at vetify and and really have her shine as it relates to Building out the pipeline, thinking about what the the future of, of thematic indexing can be, not only from a U.S. perspective but, but from a global perspective. So we're we're thrilled to add this capability as it augments the thematic indices uh, capability at Betify, which is complemented by you know of course our our benchmark series as, as well as our factor indices. So. Couldn't be happier to have Jane on board. Have long admired and respected what she's done and built, and and look forward to uh, the next leg of the journey together.
1: Yeah, and to your latter point and the success of uh, EQM, Jane. I mentioned this at the top. I do think many of our listeners who closely follow the ETF space are certainly familiar with you and EQM. But for those who aren't, give us a quick snapshot of your background yeah. and this business you sure. built.
2: Yeah. So I was the, as you mentioned, the co-founder of EQM indexes, and it was kind of a small boutique developer of ETF indexes. Um, we really tried to focus on custom and bespoke indexes, including things like thematics. Um, you know, as far as my background, I've been in the industry for 30 over 30 years. Um, I started out as a financial advisor and then ended up on the institutional side of the business as a quant PM. And then we founded EQM um, back in 2015. And um, as you mentioned, um, our first index was the index behind Amplify's uh Online retail ETF, iBuy. buy. Uh, of course, when we built that index back in 2015, we didn't know that one day there was going to be a pandemic. But I think it's just you know it's a perfect example of how powerful some of these themes can end up being. Um, and as you mentioned, we helped develop the first blockchain index, uh, and most recently we just uh, actually launched uh, on behalf of a client a global music industry index, MusQ, uh, which focuses on the disruption of the music industry. So we've worked on some some really fun projects, but You know, I think underpinning um, our approach was we were always customer-centric, you know, similar to Vetify. Uh, We didn't just create indexes for clients. We also really viewed ourselves as a partner in the process and helped them to support the indexes on the marketing side. So joining Vetify, um, it just made a ton of sense Um, to kind of take our growth to the next level. Um, Our values were really aligned in what we wanted to do for the clients, and, um, you know, I've been telling people it's it's... Now that I've uh, integrated a little bit here, it's like marketing and sales and research is on steroids, um, you know, coming from a small startup. So it's it's just been really a, a great transition.
1: I was looking at the uh, press release announcing this acquisition, and I actually want to read you both a quote from Vetify's Brian Coco, who's head of Index Products. I'm sure you both saw this, but uh, I just love the way that he framed this. And, Jane, I'd actually l- like to get your reaction to this. So Brian said, quote, A great investment idea can often remain just that, an idea. But with a well-constructed index, great investment ideas can become great investments. And, again, Jane, I'd love to have you talk more about that because most investors just see the end product, right? They see the ETF. But I love this concept of a great investment idea, uh, never seen the light of day without firms like EQM. So can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Like basically how you take an idea and construct an index around it?
2: Yeah. And I think that was one of the ways we kind of carved our, a little niche for ourselves in the industry because, you know, we weren't trying to compete with the standard kind of market cap benchmarks, but we really wanted to create thoughtful products that, especially on the thematic side that really gave investors pure play exposure um, to specific themes and, um, and, you know, I think as far as, you know, some some of the elements of good themes, uh, you know, there's both good and pro- bad products out there. But, you know, what we we look at is it has to really be a long-term secular disruption. So it can't be a fad. It can't be, you know, sort of a flash-in-the-pan idea. You know, this has to be something that has long-staying power, um, and it's a long, long, good long-term investment. And then, you know, the other aspect of thematics, I think, is that, it has to be investable. So it can't be too narrow or, or niche and there have to be companies that truly represent the opportunity in that theme. And then finally I think um you know the another element of uh thematics is that it has to be nascent. So it um you know, it's a long term theme, it has to have staying power, but you want to be early in the cycle, right? You know, the theme hasn't can't have already played itself out. So those are some of the elements of good themes and, and to, to Brian's point, yeah, I mean there's a lot of ways to construct indexes, and we're very focused on constructing them the right way, in a thoughtful manner. And, you know, some of it comes from my background, I think, as a portfolio manager. I, you know, you have to recognize that these are investment products at the end of the day and that people are using these to attain, you know, a lot of different financial goals.
1: Okay, so obviously thematics are a key focus for EQM, and I do want to get both of your thoughts on the future of this space. But I thought just to set the table Um, Jane, take us through where we're currently at with thematic ETFs. Like, what have you seen in the space over the past several years? Uh, What's the good? What's the bad? Just give us the current lay of the land here.
2: Right. Well, you know, I think thematic investing is still quite popular, Um, you know, and the popularity, I think, is really here to stay. Uh, And one of the reasons for that is investors don't really think in terms of style boxes, but they understand Investment themes. I think it's the way people think, and especially this newer generation of investors, it really is something that resonates with them. And investors want to find a way to get pure play exposure to these long-term themes. You know, uh, the things that can really add some some oomph to your to your overall portfolio. And you know, I think people are becoming much more comfortable now on how to where to put these in a portfolio, whether it's a satellite exposure or there's a lot of investors that are using these. Um, almost as sector replacements. You know, instead of investing in, in retail, you invest in online retail. Instead of investing in, you know, traditional banking, you invest in things like uh, blockchain blockchain and digital assets. So, you know, I think thematic vesting is here to stay. Uh, and, you know, it's stronger and is becoming even better, you know, as it's become much more competitive in the marketplace.
1: Tom, anything you would add just regarding the current state of thematic ETFs?
0: I would only add, Nate. I think it's just another good example, as we often talk about, of, of how um, innovative and how um, how much access the ETF wrapper has given us as investors. So the idea of, of you know deconstructing style boxes and, and going much deeper into these these themes, or uh, the ability to get the peer play exposure, I, I just look at the list, and I'm always in awe of the now north of 3,000 U.S. listed ETFs. The amount of choice that this industry has given to investors and ways that they've been able to augment their portfolio, which were frankly um, inconceivable, uh, you know, 20 years ago, I, I just, uh, it, it's really exciting. It, it's great to be a part of, and, and I, I, I get excited about the future.
1: All right. So everyone knows that my uh, crystal ball is completely broken, but that doesn't stop me from always trying to look ahead into the future. And jane look you're a thematic etf expert and i'll ask you both this question but I, i'm just curious what you see is the future of thematic etfs maybe give us a, a prediction or two here
2: yeah i think thematics are becoming even more sophisticated um, as as the themes become more mature so you know you don't have to own all the names in a more mature theme um it used to be that you know you that was the case but You can be smarter and more discriminatory about which names you own, whether it be through, you know, factors or fundamentals, looking at things like valuation or even active management. So I think the themes and the way we invest in these themes has become much more sophisticated since the early days of thematic investing. And then, you know, now there's all these specialty sources of data that are specific to, you know, certain segments of the market. um, And even AI is coming into play. Uh, these days as a way to select companies within certain themes. So there's a lot of tools available. So, you know, I kind of view this as Thematics 2.0. It's going to become even more sophisticated, and investors are going to have even a better experience uh, in getting exposure to these various themes.
1: With that sophistication, one of the things that we always talk about on this podcast is just the need for ETF education. And I don't think this is – only in the thematic space. I think in general we've seen more sophisticated ETF products come to market. J- Jane, I mean how does how does education play into that? You know if you're an end investor, you're an end advisor and some of these products are becoming more sophisticated, which I think is is probably good in the thematic ETF space because with that sophistication, there's probably more real investment substance behind these themes you'd mentioned before, um, you know, sort of moving beyond fads. I think that's a good thing. But uh, maybe talk just a little bit about the role of of investor and advisor education here as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. And, you know, one of the the nice elements of the ETF wrapper is the transparency, um, that investors do know the names that they own. And so I think investors want that transparency and want to help. It helps them to understand what they're investing in. So investor education is very important, and, you know, particularly now with, you know, the regulators are looking into some of the naming rules to increase, increase the transparency there, you know, helping investors kind of know what they own. You know, it's been, uh, you know, certainly very topical with regard to ESG products, uh, but also with thematics as well. Uh, investors have to have, you know, pure play exposure. There has to be a certain percentage, up to 80% of the of the funds have to be in that theme, and it has to be quantitative and And it has to be, uh, you know, measurable. So, you know, investor education is important, but I think the regulators are also stepping in to make it a safer environment uh, for investors as well.
1: Tom, any thoughts on the future of thematic ETFs? I'm assuming Vetify is uh, clearly bullish or else you wouldn't be acquiring firms like EQM. I know you had another uh, big acquisition of a thematic ETF player or the index behind them uh, earlier this year. Just what do you see in this space moving forward?
0: Yeah, we are bullish, Nate, and and we're bullish because we see that that's what investors are are, are looking for: is different indexes to power investment product in the space. Uh, we see that through a lot of the behavioral data that you and I often talk about on the Vetify platform, and we see that continuing. And we, you know, like you said, you mentioned education. I think that's going to be as important as ever. First off, I would agree with everything that Jane said. So I'll try to just be only incremental. I think the concept, um, and this isn't only thematic ETF investing, I think it's probably applies to a lot of index opportunities, but the data sets and, and bringing your own IP, you know, bringing some of the IP that may be uh, new or, or novel in nature as it relates to some of the construction uh, of indices is, is something that we're starting to see. I also think that as some of these themes play out, like for example, AI, which <laughs> Nate, you and I have talked about many a time, um, as they mature, stratifying the theme and, and, and providing different types of exposure to a broader theme as they mature, I think, is something that's um, probably on the horizon. And then, you know, embedded in all of this is, is the, a partner model, one where, you know, an index provider or, or someone who's building this with you, as Jane mentioned, really is along for the ride, um, you know, uh, right from ideation through iteration and launch, but then, you know, the continued education of why the index isn't constructed the way it is, the methodology, uh, how rebalance works, all these types of things. I think more and more um, a partner model uh, for the life cycle of the, of the, uh, of the index is something that, that that I'm predicting will happen in the future and, and accelerate.
1: Yeah, I think that's well said by both of you. I'll just add that I'm very optimistic on the future of thematic ETFs. I really like the very basic framework that Bloomberg's Eric Valchunas uses where – he says, look, I- investors like to use thematics as a hot sauce in their portfolios, right? The core of the portfolio, maybe they're they, they're loaded up on low cost passive products, or that's fine if they want to go the active route. But then around the edges there's they're using these thematic ETFs. And and Jane, I thought what you said was what was really good in that, you know, we have Move beyond um, just launching faddish products in the space. I think if we go back to 2020 and 2021, I think we would all agree there was some of that out there, but I think investors are now seeing through that. And there does have to be real investment substance behind whatever products are, are launching. You mentioned, you know, thematics 2.0. I, I love that framework as well. But I, I think you're right. I think there has to be. You know, longer term secular disruption here that you mentioned earlier, Jane, the, the the space obviously has to be investable. It has to be sustainable. All of those things, I think, are good. And I think investors now get that. And so if you're a thematic uh, index provider, or an issuer who's launching a thematic ETFs, you have to know that investors, they understand this space now. It's grown. And so, uh, again, I'm very I'm very excited about the future of this space, and I think it's good that investors are, are doing more due diligence here. But in any event, um, Tom, Jane, really enjoyed the conversation this week. Congratulations on your new uh, partnership. I'm sure we'll be uh, visiting uh, again soon. But thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us,
2: Nate. Thank
0: you, Nate.
1: That was Tom Hendrickson, president of Vetify, and Jane Edmondson, Vetify's head of thematic strategy.